I don't think Amanda's on yet. Yeah, I don't see Acadia on here. All right, well, welcome everybody. Tom Miller here, and it's our Thursday weekly call for charter school leaders or any school leaders or charter school vendors. We're always uh, blessed to be able to spend some specific time with you uh, each Thursday at 1. Uh, no matter what, rain or shine, right, Katie? We will we will be here as long as uh, as long as there will be one other person on the call. Then we will then we will we will come. So we have a um, huge agenda as always with lots of information, but uh, that's what we think we need to share. So we don't know exactly what you're always looking for. So please please put your questions or uh, burning thoughts in the chat box along with you know who you are and maybe what's a win that you've had since we spoke last Thursday. Uh, you know Anything that's good for the group, anything you learned. Um, we've learned a lot that lots of information is flying out there. And so we hope, it's our goal, uh, as you know, Rhonda uh, Dillingham from the North Carolina Association for Public Charter Schools, it's our hope that you see this one o'clock call as, um, as a place where I can get the best information, right? The most up-to-date, current best information, or at least at minimum, get clarification, uh, or just share, hey, here's a question that I have, how do I get it answered? Uh, that's, that's always our goal. We're not going to pretend to have all of the answers. We have, well, I know I do, have big opinions, but it doesn't mean that's what's gonna best serve you. So our, if we can't answer it on this call, we will um, vet the best answer, and that will come through co communication, typically through Rhonda during her daily email. So Rhonda, I'm gonna give you the floor for a couple of minutes if you wanna say hi to everybody and, and, and uh, share any just first, first uh, burning desires. Hey everybody, I hope you're doing well, having a great day and uh, looking forward to the <clears throat> Memorial Day weekend coming up now. For me, it probably won't look much different than a regular day. <laughs> and that might be the case for some of you too, but um, so let's see. Well, I know that you all received your email today from uh, Georgia Mamoni, and it had some information in there about the calendar for next year. I have some questions about that. I'm sure you do too. If you have a question and you've had a chance to see that and you have a question, please put it in the chat because I want to make sure that I am able to give you accurate information. And um, Amanda Donovan is our contracted lobbyist for the association and she's going to be on as soon as she can to discuss um, a new bill that was introduced by the House, House Bill 1129, which is in direct um, result with the WestEd report based on the Leandro case, if anybody's been following that for the past 20 years. <laughs> uh, the WestEd report is the report that came out based on the judge's um, desire to have an outside third party evaluate the needs of education in the state. And um, and so this bill is that result of that. It's called Ensure a Sound Basic Education. And I'm gonna wait for Amanda to discuss it when she gets on the call. But um, again, 
I'm here for you. If you have questions, put them in the chat or email me. I'll be glad to, um, to help any way I can. Thanks, Rhonda. And so in the chat, I'm gonna drop in here, everybody. If we ever like allude to the drive or the archives or anything, it's in that link. So bookmark that uh, page and you can access the Google Drive in there. Katie and I have been furiously updating uh, some of the documents in there, trying to archive things that are much older to give you uh, the uh, freshest information, the most up-to-date. Uh, we've been putting some comprehensive plans that other states are releasing. Uh, we have been adding some other expert uh, plans. That's in your return to school committee uh, folder. And then we've been adding to that PowerPoint. Um, so if you've been using that PowerPoint that we had created in there in the Google Slides, that's great. Um, we're constantly adding to it. Uh, so we're hoping to keep that as the one-stop shop. Uh, for everything, uh, uh, questions or information that uh, come in that would be good for you and your team and your staff uh, to be talking through. And one of the um, one of the things that we've been doing through our uh, executive um, inner circle that we have on Monday, it's a much you know smaller group, is we've been bringing in experts from from you know across the uh, the globe in a different area. So uh, today we're going to have um, uh, principals from Australia uh, participate in our call. So we will share that information back out to see how that goes because uh, they just opened up school this week. Um, and then the other expert that we're looking for is someone in social and emotional health. So if you have a really good contact in social and emotional health uh, for not only uh, students but adults, uh, uh, let us know. We would like to give them a form on a call like this to be able to provide you the best information. So. I see those questions coming in, uh, Katie. Why don't we Why don't we go to some of the experts first? Okay. And then And then we'll we'll let the questions uh, kind of build up here. Um, um, Amanda's on now. Oh, great. All right. So then let's go to advocacy first, and then we'll and then we'll start rolling through other experts. So so experts, as you are reading the chat, if you see something that's in your wheelhouse, please make sure to be prepared to speak on it when we when we come to your spot. So go ahead, Rhonda and Amanda. Amanda needs to, un to unmute herself. There she is. Okay. Can everyone hear me okay? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so as Rhonda was saying, House Bill 1129 um, was filed and it does um, discuss some of the points that were brought up in the from the West Ed report dealing with the Leandro case. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this simply because I think it's important to note out that it is a completely Democratic sponsored bill. Um, I expect it to get zero hearings and zero movement during the legislative session this year. And to that point, um, Senator Berger held a press conference on Monday talking about the session schedule. And during the Q&A portion, someone actually brought up um, the West Ed report and asked if there was going to be funding from the General Assembly or anything related to that. And he specifically said that you know, now is not the time to be talking about extra money for things, especially considering the, the budget crisis that they're in. And he also said that the General Assembly is not required um, to appropriate any money as a judge orders. So we don't expect any movement on this um, in the General Assembly, but wanted you all to be aware that it had been filed. Again, this is House Bill 1129. 
And a couple of things that it does, um, it deals with improving teacher quality in high poverty schools. It actually creates a new office of equity oversight within DPI. It abolishes the Opportunity Scholarship Program. Um, and one thing I did want to point out, though, it creates a section that um, creates an Opportunity Gap Task Force. And I bring that up because listed on the folks that would be on the task force, um, the Association for Public Charter Schools was listed um, specifically. So while this may not be legislation that we're fans of, I think it's important to point out that uh, we were included, the association was included um, as being a part of any type of stakeholder meetings that's going on. So I think that's great to show that we're included in the, in the conversations about anything surrounding um, this kind of topic and in the education space. And I think something else I want to point out about that very quickly, Amanda, is as you mentioned, it's a Democrat-sponsored bill exclusively. And why that's important is uh, it shows that the association is building bridges with both parties. Uh, which is very important. You know, you, politics can change from one day to the next. And so uh, for a Democrat to include the association in the bill is very, very important. Awesome. Anything else from, from the association? That's it. All right, excellent. Okay, so let's, uh, who do we want to go to next, Katie? I'm going to put you in charge here. Okay, so Lisa Gordon-Stella, why don't you had a couple things you wanted to update the group on? Yes, I did. Um, I wanted to update the group on and take questions related to um, return to work, meaning the physical workspace. Mm -hmm. um, I've been working with a lot of schools and um, both independent and charter who are getting questions, are having questions about what what are the expectations what can we require what can't we require and i just wanted to sort of talk about that a little bit and um and then the other thing i wanted to talk about was title nine um, and we will be having a webinar on that separately but um as to returning to work so some of the things that folks have asked is what if you have an employee who doesn't want to physically come to work um because of COVID in the fall so the the rule is this um, if that's where work is happening that's where they need to be and so i think it is a good idea to you know set expectations now that we are expecting employees to be ready uh, willing and able to come back to the workplace for whenever your school starts um, if folks have specific concerns they should come to whoever your hr person might be or uh, to a supervisor um, who would have the ability to to communicate with that um, employee um, about their specific concerns. So specific concerns are not, I don't feel comfortable because I'm going to be around kids and I might get sick or someone in my family might get sick. That is a, that's a concern, but that's not specific enough. If they have a personal health situation, that makes them particularly vulnerable to COVID. And there is, as we know, a list that keeps growing. Um, that may be an Americans with Disabilities Act discussion. And so it is not appropriate 
to get into specifics with employees in front of other employees. You'd want to take that employee aside. Um, uh, that's why I'm saying encourage people to talk to you about specific concerns and have those in confidence, sort of dig down into what the concern is, and you need to then possibly follow an, the ADA process, which is an interactive um, process of identifying um, what yeah. medical situation the person is confronting and what accommodations can be made. Um, and um, folks should have a, an understanding of how that works. Uh, if, if folks have questions about the interactive ADA process, feel free to um, shoot those out to us. Maybe we need to do a refresher on that um, this summer, but that would be the concerns. And those are only for employee concerns about themselves. Now, as to if you have an employee that has someone at home who is vulnerable to COVID. That's a different situation. It is actually not covered under the Americans with Disabilities Act, and it's not really covered under any um, current laws that apply in North Carolina, except for two things. One is if you have an employee and they are asking for emergency paid sick leave under the um, uh, Families First Act, they would, if they meet one of the six um, reasons for that emergency paid sick leave, they would get those two weeks of emergency paid sick leave. Um, and then the other potential situation you might be running into is um, folks have um, childcare issues. So let's say school goes back in session, but you have an employee who has a, a child who isn't going to be able to get childcare um, because of COVID. So if that happens, that person is covered by the um, Emergency Family Medical Leave Act that was in the Family First um, Act that was passed in March. Um, and th both the Emergency Family Medical Leave, uh, the Family Medical Leave Act and the Emergency Paid Sick Leave are provisions in the law that apply to every single charter school and every employer um, uh, under 500 employees. So it's not like the regular family medical leave where you have to have 50 employees. If you have less than 500, you're on the hook for both of these. And that runs through the end of 2020. We will see if Congress extends that into the following year. But those are the two things that you need to be aware of um, with your employees. Going back to um, you know, the issue of just being sensitive to people, even though they may not have a legal um, basis for not wanting to come back to work, you're gonna have to work on the interpersonal level with your employees. Um, and we may be seeing some more guidance on what you need to do to keep your employees safe. Um, OSHA has recently updated their guidance on whether uh, COVID may, might be an occupational disease covered um, through potentially um, that the possibly this could be covered by workers comp, but we haven't received guidance on that. But um, it is likely going to depend on the type of entity you are under OSHA. They've created these um, different risk factors and different types of um, employers fall into different risk factors. Um, this is all still being fleshed out. Um, Rhonda will, we've been, the association has been working um, to make sure that you get updated information as these things change. And then also on these calls, 
we get we give updated information. So these these are very dynamic and they're fluid, and we're learning through new things every day. Um, so um, that's what I can tell you today, just to keep this in mind that these are issues you're going to potentially have to deal with, um, and they're complicated, um, and there's no perfect one size fit all answer. Um, but we will continue to keep you updated. And if people have specific questions that they're facing, I would encourage you to um, keep those coming so that we can address them. And I would also say, if there are, you know, from a legal perspective, if folks are not um, remembering some of their obligations that they might have under the American Disabilities Act or Family Medical Leave or any of those things, um, you know, you know, reach out to Rhonda or to um, Katie or Tom and, and, and maybe we should put together some sort of refresher course over this summer um, going forward. Uh, Rhonda, I believe we are doing a back to work um, session in July at the conference. And um, next month, we will be doing a, um, uh, a webinar on Title IX, which I will briefly touch on now, which is every single school should have a Title IX policy. They should be compliant with Title IX, and Title IX is not just about sports. It is an entirely different system that deals with student harassment uh, based on gender and employee harassment based on gender, and is entirely distinct from Title VII. Um, new regulations came out, uh, the time is sort of getting away from me, it's either last week or the week before, that changed a lot of how Title Seven, Title IX needs to be handled. And so we are going to put together a webinar for next month um, talking about what your new obligations are because they are, they are um, the fairly extensive rewrite and uh, the regulations were 2,000 pages. So um, we'll distill those down for you and provide you with information, but just put that on your radar. You have to be compliant with these new regulations by August 14th, which requires changing your policies, notifications to your community, updating your website, uh, updating any handbooks you have, um, and making sure you have the right Title IX coordinator that um, is both trained and um, published um, at, uh, on your website. So I will, I know there's a lot to cover, so I'll leave it there. Um, and if folks have questions, you know, you know how to get up. <laughs> Thank you for letting me um, be on this call today. Lisa, that was really helpful. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, Tom, you wanted to hop in with a little bit of employment, employment engagement advice. Yeah, let me make sure the right screen is showing here. So tell me, is there a, is there a PowerPoint coming up with three points, the three signs of job misery? Yeah, that's right. Oh, all right. So as the questions come in for Lisa about <clears throat> what to do, right, what you're legally responsible to do, Katie and I participated in a conference uh, just held by Patrick Lencioni, who, read, who wrote The Five Dysfunctions of a Team and a lot of some of our favorite books, The Advantage. But I didn't know he wrote this book called um, About Employee Engagement, Visible mm -hmm. Employee. Yeah. And it found that it had these three characteristics, irrelevance, anonymity, and a measurement. And... You know, Katie and I are just going to share real quick on a couple of these things that we learned. And I just realized, oh, my gosh, I, I'm pretty sure I was this leader that he's uh, referring to in the book. But anonymity, you know, is when my boss doesn't really know who I am. Right. Doesn't know my name, doesn't really know what I do. 
and it might not be reality on your side as the principal or director or HR person, but it's the reality and the perception of the of your employee. Mm -hmm. and so he just talked about how critical it would be at this point to make sure that you are intentionally reaching out to individual employees and just spending just a couple minutes with them just to just to check on them and remind them that you see them you see them working hard and uh, you're just a check in to make sure that they're that they're okay right so I mean if you ever think about a job that you left you know people don't quit organizations people quit other people so this is the last time that you want your uh, people to be feeling like you don't care about them or know about them or understand them in any uh, capacity and we we do lots of lessons on this and we learn the uh, commander's notebook just knowing and and understanding who your people are and what's happening in their in their life um, is really important to folks right so now more than ever you know people are feeling isolated social and emotional health is way up um, isolation is a huge issue uh, for a lot of a lot of people so some of the things we've heard school leaders doing that is taking away that anonymity, Tom, is, you know, um, Ted Duncan wrote a thank you note to each one of his teachers. And, you know, we've had other, you know, people are making phone calls and uh, making time for Zoom. They're saying I'm holding Zoom office hours at a specific time so people can just you know, drop in and ask a question or just make contact with the leader uh, to remove some of that anonymity. But I think right now when people are isolated at their homes, this um, this anonymity, um, you know, that could just set in because they think, well, I don't see them every day. They don't even know what I'm doing. I don't feel important. Right. And especially since, you know, Katie and I, you know, if we've, you know, you know, maybe we've done the DISC uh, personality profile with your organization, uh, over 70% over of the population that have uh, taken DISC through us, through education, is in that supportive or the cautious right that uh, bottom end of the circle the ones that are pretty quiet to start with and pretty sometimes self-isolated and don't always uh, speak up so it's so important for you to be a bridge at this time and and just to spend those you know couple of minutes that you can just uh, checking in not about school business just uh, checking in to make sure people are okay Mm -hmm. How about the um, irrelevance uh, one Katie what were some of your thoughts around what we learned about irrelevance People want to know that they matter, that if you quit tomorrow, that it would make a difference. And like, you know, Lisa Gordon Stella added in there, kindness is everything. Uh, yeah, you know, you need to be kind and you, people need to be recognized for their work. Like, you know, I, I see you showing up every day, every day for your Zoom kids. I see your lesson plans. I see the progress that you're making. Uh, you know, people need to, to know that they're not irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, so, so we've done some trainings where I lined up an entire staff from the bus driver, right, all the way to the end of the day, and just everybody shared out loud how their job impacted the job down the line. I mean, when mm. you think about orientation right now, uh, you know, if, 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 if we were in a brick and mortar, orientation of every day of school starts with the bus driver. As soon as the kid sees the bus coming around the corner, that's where it starts, right? So, mm -hmm. but, but what are they doing for you now? You know, how, how are they, like, are they making those phone calls? Are they being told, hey, by you making those, you know, check-in calls with parents or by you dropping off that food, like, you don't even realize all the extra, um, you know, how it's relevant to the lives of uh, so many, right? So that's, mm -hmm. that's another massive piece. So connecting whatever they're doing now to the bigger picture is, is really important. And yeah. then uh, finally, um, measurement, right? 
if, if I don't know that I'm getting better in my job, right, if I don't know if I'm seeing any improvement, uh, how, how will I know, you know? And so Lencioni uh, tells a story about how, how there was a worker at Chick-fil-A and, and, and they said, well, how do we measure whether the, whether the window guy at the Chick-fil-A like is doing their job well? And they're like, you know, cars that go through and they're like, no, he doesn't have any control about that. But how about the correctness of the order? How about making people smile when they get their food? How about how many people that, you know, he says, you know, thank you to I mean, whatever else. So, so they had, so they uh, create these systems of measuring success, what success looks like in every particular role in your organization. And everybody needs to have a really great understanding about how my daily work is impacting the long, the short and long-term success of our school. Anything mm -hmm. else to add there, Katie? Yeah, no, I mean, I remember working with a school leader who was really unclear about what his job was. And I said, well, how do you know when you're successful? He said, I don't. I just keep working and that list never ends. And, and that school leader left that school because nobody wants to feel that they can never, they can, it never adds up, right? They want to be able to reach the finish line. <laughs> you know, even though we all have things on our to-do list, we, you know, people need to know that, you know, that, that they are achieving and that you're happy with their work. That's right. I just wrote something about the endlessness that it, it can feel like being a leader, right? It just feels like it's endless. Like, when is this ever going to end? It's not, right? And don't, but don't get stuck in the endlessness. This is a, this is a people first business that we're in. And if you're uh, thinking about task first and policy, like no offense, Rhonda, right? I hear you. We got to have policy or otherwise we'll have chaos. But we need to be really thinking about, are we taking care of our people and how do we want to be remembered? So um, mm -hmm. I just wanted to add on uh, to that, something that we learned and we'll be sharing out more stuff that we learned from that. So. Great, great. And if you're okay. doing something great for your people, put it in a, the, the uh, chat box so other people can hear and see and get ideas. We heard about Ted, um, you know, writing the, the notes, you know, checking in, dropping off things, you know, whatever it, it uh, might be to get you there. I, yeah, I saw a teacher from Bradford Prep who said, I work at the best school. Look at my uh, Cinco de Mayo packet. <laughs> and it was, I don't remember all that was in there. Kelly Painter from Bradford, if you want to put in the chat, everything you put in that Cinco de Mayo teacher appreciation packet. <laughs> I know at least one teacher who really appreciated it. Um, all right, so who's, uh, who's next? Let's go to Acadia. Uh, did, um, is Amanda with us? Let's see. Amanda Guevara, you are here. Would you join us and tell us about um, the elementary and secondary school emergency relief fund? We don't have enough acronyms in our life, so I'm glad they included another one. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. Um, can you hear me okay, Katie? You're great. Okay, so the acronym for this fund is E-S-S-E-R. Um, it's also being referred to as the K-12 Emergency Relief Fund. So either one of those applies to the same pot of money. Um, those funds are now available to charters who receive Title I funds in the 1920 school year. Now, it's going to be allotted in PRC 163. Um, couple points I want to make. Even though the funds are available to your school, in order to receive the funds, you must submit an application in CCIP and a budget in BAS. Now the application and the budget must be approved by June 1st. Notice I said approved by June 1st, which means it needs to be submitted prior to June 1st because there is a big turnaround time on approvals. Um, 
The funds hopefully will be available in this fiscal year. Uh, if not, they will be available all the way through September 30th of 2021, so next year. Now, the list of eligible expenses is pretty broad and it allows for a lot of flexibility in spending. Um, part of accounts has been a re release for that. Uh, Acadia's grant writer did send us some information on common questions she's been receiving from some schools uh, regarding the funding, and she's passed those along to DPI and gotten some answers. So just three questions I'd like to share with you. Um, one question is, for technology, items such as Chromebooks, hotspots, and document cameras uh, are uh, expenditures that are allowed and they should be budgeted for under computer hardware. The second question she's been getting, can a nurse be hired using these funds? And the, the answer is yes, as long as that nurse is licensed through DPI. Mm. And thirdly, which I think is an important one because I've heard this kind of uh, talked about on, on these calls before, if your school is looking to invest into an air purification or ionization device, that will be permanently affixed to the roof of your facility uh, for purposes of sanitizing the air, of course, because of COVID. Um, this is not allowed to be used. Uh, the PRC 163 funds will not cover this because this is considered to be a capital expense. So if you are thinking, hey, maybe we can use these funds with that type of device, if it's permanently attached to the structure, it won't be um, an allowable expense under PRC 163. Okay. And that's all I have for you for today. Okay. Well, that's great. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up with that June 1st deadline coming up. I know it's really, uh, it's really a, it's a quick turnaround, but I did post in here the FAQs about the ESSER and I posted the um, required agreement that every school would have to submit. Uh, now, Amanda, have you heard about the timing of when this funding might be released? Because we're hearing some other states, you know, might hold it back. Uh, have you heard anything? The DPI said ideally they want to have everything in by June 1st and get everything approved so that they can release it this fiscal year. So that'll be before the end of June. Okay. Uh, worst case scenario, if they're getting late applications and late budgets, that it'll push into next fiscal year. Okay. I have a couple of other questions coming in from uh, Benny and Mary. Uh, they asked if this funding can be used to, to pay for a counselor position or a social worker. Do you know? Uh, not off the top of my head, but what I can do is send you the chart of accounts. Okay. I have all the expenses on there, and if you want to share that document. That would be fantastic Yeah, because there's another one about a standalone air filtration device. So, um, yes, if you can send that to me, I'll put the link in the chat and, you know, in our follow-up email as well. Thank you as always, Amanda. Appreciate I'm sorry. Thanks for having us. Hey, Amanda, there's, there's a question about COVID tax credits. Is that, is that something that you guys would be able to answer? So <clears throat> it's from Deb Brown. And she said, how are people handling the COVID tax credits? The advice we're getting is to wait because we do not know yet what staff uh, positions might be affected by the loss of students. Any thoughts around that? And you might not be, so. We've had a couple of schools that we've dealt with the tax credits with. Um, what we've been advising is to, for the schools really to discuss it with their legal counsel and to make sure that it is 
um, a credit that they're eligible for because there are so many guidelines that some of them seem to contradict each other. Mm -hmm. um, so if it's a credit that you feel that you want to apply for, I do know the employee retention credit, I believe covers a period through the end of the year. So if it's something where they want to wait, you know, a month or two, it is available through the end of the year, the calendar year that is. Thanks, okay. Yep. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, so I know a lot of schools might be thinking, you know, this might be a chance to, you know, purchase items that we need. Um, but, you know, Lisa Gordon, Stella, will you jump on and talk to, you know, what advice do you have for schools about making expenditures at this time? So um, I have heard a few people talk about um, the idea of, you know, there's all this new technology coming out to deal with COVID, like um, certain types of monitors, thermometers, all sorts of maybe even cleaning, cleaning devices, ultraviolet light, all of this. I would hold off on any type of capital large purchase because right now we don't even know if this stuff really works or if it's going to do what we want it to do. And my sort of advice to schools has been at this point, let's see what's happening in the retail space with all of these gadgets before we jump in and spend money that we may not have on um, equipment that may not work and do what we need it to work. So I would. I would definitely not start buying any type of scanner or um, even, um, <clears throat> you know, whatever you're hearing people talk about, I would just take a step back because we just don't know if these things are going to work um, mm -hmm. going forward. And, and they often are a lot of money. Um, and we don't know what OSHA is going to say. There's a lot that needs to be sort of figured out. Um, and it's better to sort of wait and see what you're going to be required to do, what makes sense for your school on mm -hmm. an individual level and where your budgets are um, before just jumping in and spending money. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, did you have any information on the employee retention credit? Yes, I did want to just um, briefly touch on that. So I, I, I do um, agree 100% with Amanda that you should definitely talk to your attorney um, if you have any questions about um, whether you should, whether you're able to take that credit. Um, the basis for that credit <clears throat> is you either have to have um, a substantial change in revenue or have been fully or partially closed. Um, and um, I have looked at the IRS um, guidance, which is in their frequently asked questions. I believe that most charters in the states where schools have been closed would likely qualify. Um, but what I tell you at this moment may change. So um, the IRS is, as with the Department of Labor and the, the, um, the SBE on the PPP loan are constantly coming out with new and updated guidance. And so if it's something you're considering, at the time you're considering it, get some advice to make sure that you can take it and um, what that looks like for your school. Um, and have folks check in with the IRS to see if they've made any modifications to their their guidance. Okay, sounds like great advice um, as usual. Um, there's a lot that we still don't know. So it sounds like, you know, people 
are getting the understanding and, and they can start creating a list of the things they're gonna have to make decisions on, uh, but they can't quite make those decisions yet. They, they still need some advice. So, so thank you, Lisa, I appreciate that. Um, so let's go to Olivia with Steve Joyner's group about technology. Olivia, are you still, there you are. Um, yes, we just wanted to touch on two things today. The first, um, make sure that you're getting all of your technology plans, your acceptable use policies, and your media release forms. Make sure those are all up to date, um, especially since we do not know what next year is going to look like quite yet. Um, you want to make sure that those are including also the remote learning days that you mm -hmm. have covered, um, because that's something new that is not going to be in your, you know, your handbooks are not updated with that yet. Um, so make sure you're starting on that, getting up all your bases covered. And then also looking to the future of what your classroom is going to look like next year. Mm -hmm. um, we have one school that's actually thinking about making um, their classroom hybrid. Um, so they're going to put like kind of like web conference systems in their classrooms and cameras in their classrooms. So they could do virtual or in-person learning also do like a 50 50 um, simultaneously hmm. so a few things that you know you might want to start looking into like do you want to pilot that next year um, in a couple of classrooms and um, also be aware of the implications that that will put on your network and your bandwidth as you have additional streaming within your building um, so a lot of things to think about there and then also creating some policies around that for your staff mm -hmm sure that if you are going to do a virtual classroom that you're keeping those closed sessions and that you're making sure that you're staying FERPA compliant during those um, streaming um, class times. Okay. Sounds great. Do you know if any of those schools have uh, provided policies that you might be able to share with us? You know, just, just to give people a starting place? We are just starting to work on some of that now. Um, okay. Yes, so we're just getting into that. Um, so we don't have quite yet, but just thinking about like how you're going to be using technology. Um, I'm sure some schools have already run into some some um, disciplinary issues with use already. So if you are experienced some of that, go ahead and apply that to your to your policies now um, to keep you covered. So when kids are at home, you know, maybe have school hour times where the school can like have some sort of say of like, hey, please don't chat with all of your friends in the middle of class time. Um, that kind of thing is mm -hmm. time to go ahead and get something in place for that. Okay, sounds great. Um, Tom, did you want to hop in with a, with something? Yeah, I mean, in, in, in one of the reports that we added into your um, comprehensive plans and in the drive for you, this, what, you know, Libby just had talked about is really important. Um, a lot of universities are starting to come back early so they can like shut down by Thanksgiving because they're starting to uh, predict that this is going to come back. They're already starting to see that in the Far East that schools are already starting to have to rethink and reclose because they're getting spikes. I highly recommend that as an organization, you, you do more than just plan for remote learning. You, have, you start to build some experts in your building to be able to do it. You start having, you know, you know, building partnerships, you know, start to get the technology that you need just so you always be prepared down the road because you're always going to be the school that was always prepared to serve all kids in any situation. Mm -hmm. 
So um, one thing is to, is to really leverage your talent and to identify the best teachers at your school at, at um, blended online learning approaches, connecting with students through virtual learning. Find ways to have them build out instructional units, you know, based upon the most important academic, whether it's, you know, foundational or new information or whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, leverage them and get, and get prepared as soon as possible uh, for whatever it might be. So I know that the state has put some things in about jumpstart programs, whatever else. I mean, so you're already doing it. And so one of the ideas that, you know, Katie and I were kicking around, is like, gosh, you know, we already talked about just offer an education to any kid in, you know, like in your area and just say, hey, we're going to, you know, support. Well, what if you could you know, provide like a tutoring service for other students? What if you could teach other schools how to be great at remote learning? What if actually you could sell your academic uh, programs to other schools? Like other schools could pay you to say, hey, can you do some of our remote learning too? because everybody's worried about finances. So one way, you know, another way to generate revenue is to be the business that uh, you are and, and, you know, leverage and really take a look at what you're doing well and who you have on your team as uh, talent wise and find ways for that. How could they help us generate uh, potentially the missing revenue that we may not have, you know, from the state, right. Or, you know, to get that. So you've got experts like, you know, uh, you know, Olivia and her team to help, you know, guide you to make sure that you equip your school with the best resources and like what schools are just knocking it out of the park in terms of a, a blended learning approach. And then ha have intentional practice days throughout the school year built in. So you're constantly preparing for this uh, because it's, it'll be hard again to just, you know, turn it all over again. So don't be an organization that has to continue to like rebuild just you know be the one that can adapt and adjust and overcome in any situation so just some thoughts there yeah no thanks for sharing um so we had uh we have one more group that uh, expert group that we wanted to hear from today and that was insurance people we have hadley and steve thanks for joining us today if you want to come in i know you wanted to share about an upcoming uh, webinar that you have Yes, thank you, Katie uh, and Tom, for having us today. So Utica National Insurance is putting on a webinar on June 16th on reopening. Um, it'll have an infectious disease specialist and an attorney discussing similar things what Lisa was talking about um, and also ways to keep your school clean and safe and things to keep in mind. I'm going to put the link to register out to on the group. Um, and and hope everyone can attend and thank you Rhonda for sending it out last night in your daily update we appreciate that that's really helpful um you know hey, because who, who who would be really good to attend that webinar if the school principal you know can't do it like who you know maybe on their team just someone who takes great notes or you know someone who's in like a certain you know position in the organization who would you recommend attend that any administrator, um, a school nurse, um, it says even school board members might want to attend so they can keep in mind things to consider. Um, any of your faculty and staff, it's, it's open to anyone in your charter school community. Awesome. 
And I just did see, uh, yeah, so make sure if you haven't dropped that into the link and make sure we get it too, because we can put it out in the reminder. And then Lisa Gordon-Stella, let's make sure we grab that one too, Katie. She just put something out about open meetings laws reminder mm -hmm. during yep. COVID. And, and I know this was something I was just talking to Marcy Cornell Fife this week from Board on Track. Like this is something that's happening everywhere. You know, eventually board meetings will start like occurring in a brick and mortar situation. So um, you, but you need to make sure that all the meetings that you had in the past, you know, that you're still following all the laws, you're, you know, you're still having your minutes available. Um, they don't necessarily have to be on your website by law, but it's highly recommended that they're in a nice, easy, transparent place. Uh, make sure you understand the reasons why you can and cannot go in a closed session um, and just, you know, do, do your best there. So uh, Lisa, I don't know if you want to share anything out loud. Um, I hear you see there's some new new requirements in the law. Uh, yeah, one of the main ones is you have to record all of your decisions. So if you're doing meetings um, by a Zoom or WebEx or whatever it is, um, recommended that you record, press the record button um, for the whole meeting. But if you choose not to do that, you have to record your actions. So, um, and there's some other, um, uh, other parts to it, but th that's one of the biggies. Um, and the link I sent is a nice summary with a link to the legislation. Um, and I would also say, folks, the UNC School of Government, um, I would get on their listserv. They have, they summarize so many things that are helpful um, and are just a great resource um, for you. So that if you have questions, particularly and, and primarily when I'm talking about open meeting and public records law, I'll just give one other just reminder to people. Any committees that you have at the school, if they are meeting during this time, they still have to notice their meetings and they have to be public except if they go into a closed session. Um, so I know there's been some confusion about that. Um, schools not being able to get a quorum, so they end up having a committee meeting. If the same rules apply to committee meetings as they do to whole board meetings. That's right. That's right, yeah. So, so Lisa, I wanna make sure that I caught you straight. So what I, this is what I heard you say. Tell me if I'm crazy at this. You said that they have to physically record the action. So just having it in your minutes like you would normally would in a board meeting no longer suffices if they, you're gonna vote for, on something? For virtual, for virtual board meetings, they want you to press record on your platform. Well, obviously, they're not the ones doing it because it's not that easy to just record two minutes and keep it somewhere. But I get it. So maybe well, you could just record the whole meeting. The whole meeting. Yes, it's yeah. probably the easiest thing. Just make sure you take really good minutes of that action and who voted and who was there. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I would just tell people to look at that 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 article. Yeah, I just um, because I think it's it's um, it's it's helpful. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. it also gives you a reminder of things you might have been forgetting about. Yep, and thank you for saying about the uh, standing committees. Any 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 a body appointed by the board should be should be abiding by the public or the open meeting laws. And in the public school law, if you have a school improvement team, that too is supposed to be abiding by open meeting law. So make sure you follow through with that. Really great resources. Um, just be as transparent as possible. It just makes it so much easier. So, and I know Hadley wanted to come back and share something. So we want to make sure Hadley has an opportunity to share on Senate Bill 199. So go ahead, Hadley. Thank you. Yes, I also wanted to update everyone. We sent out 
a notice, I believe it was last week, might have been two weeks ago, that there's a free training through Safe Schools for everyone that'll be coming out in August. But we're also going to do a training during the virtual charter school conference on this topic for everyone. Um, and that, so that will be during Rhonda and the association's virtual conference. We'll have a training on that new law. All right. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you. There was another question, and my dogs decided to talk right now, too. Um, and, they don't agree with the law. Yeah, they don't agree with the law. Um, but has there, does, you know, Lisa, maybe you'd be the best one to answer this. Um, has there been any discussion about the definition of attendance in a virtual or blended model? For students? Yes. Um, no, that's the big, everyone wants to know. Okay. Yeah, well, at that, least we're, you know, we're doing, we're, we're thinking along the same lines as the great minds. So that's yes, great. <laughs> everybody needs to know because uh, that's the million dollar question. So I know Rhonda, I think that's part of the, the team that's working on um, opening and what issues we might have, but that's front and center. Okay, perfect. Um, there's also, I don't know if, you know, Lisa, you have something to say about this or, you know, any school, you, We'd love some thoughts on this. So the CDC just released guidelines for opening schools, uh, and especially as it re relates to bus service. You know, they said one student per seat, and then you skip a seat. Um, you know, so has anybody thought through how this is go how they're going to run buses with that kind of model? Hadley, maybe maybe insurance people have thought through this. Uh, or have you seen any guidelines come through? For busing? Mm -hmm. um, we haven't seen specific guidelines yet, but we expect to receive some soon. Okay. I know you'll send them out as soon as you get them. Right. <laughs> okay, perfect. And just one other question that had come up on another call, and I'm sure everybody's thinking it. So about these jumpstart summer programs, there was discussion about whether they are required or not. Um, you know, there were definitely there was an explanation of what they entailed, but nobody seemed to be certain about whether they had to do them or not. Can anybody offer any clarity on that? Well, the crickets have it, Tom. <laughs> I think it's unclear as to whether they need to do it or not. Yeah, but here, you know, here's the thing though. This, this whole thing about the calendar that came out of today, this whole jump start or jump rope for, for, you know, better reading, whatever the heck they're calling it. Look, don't worry about that stuff. Just do it. Like, because you should be doing it. Like we all know, we all know and understand that's, you know, summer loss is real. So mm -hmm. now you've got COVID loss plus summer loss. Like, so find a way, like, let's not just grab for low hanging fruit and do the basic a hundred, you know, like a thousand twenty-five hours. Just, just build a flexible, you know, schedule for this next upcoming school year, whether it's longer school days, whether it's shorter holiday breaks, whether it's, you know, really, you know, looking outside the box. I mean, you know, design the calendar that will best meet your kids and the health of the adults in your building's needs. And it's really interesting, like, I don't know if Kate Alice is with us today from Invest Collegiate Transform, but they've always had a school calendar that ended at Thanksgiving break and came back in January. So I'm like, wow, look at that. They already are kind of ahead of the game if this is where the route that we need to go. So 
the more that we wait about the regulatory piece and have them, you know, tell us and say it's five plus this and how many hours, like, look, just, just go and do what charter schools were built to do. And it's to go above and beyond and give the best education. I mean, period. It's just, you know, I think we get too stuck in, in this is what we're, you know, what we have to do. You know, you have to teach kids. Yeah. Yeah, so find, you do. Find the plan to teach kids and whether it's 200 days, then it's 200 days. I mean, just do it. And, um, Going back to your CDC piece, we put uh, multiple resources specifically from the CDC. There's some bad info out there that's not CDC, but it's saying it's from it. That's like a blue uh, picture. Um, so the one that we just put in the in the um, in the drive looks like this. Is this is this what's showing? Uh, Katie, is this what's showing? Yes, up? that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is what one you want to use um, as your you know your tree. And there's also a short article uh, in that CDC drive, uh, or in that CDC folder, I'm sorry, in, the, in that uh, Google Drive for you. So make sure you're getting the right information. And if you haven't done this, please reach out to your uh, local health uh, department and, and you know, start to befriend them. They would be really good about the school bus, probably, right? Because they're, they're the experts, you know, we're not, we're not built to be health, health experts. Um, and that's the, that's the entity that would decide if you have to do COVID testing or take mm -hmm. temperatures when your students come back. Uh, that's what the CDC is recommending, that you'd go to your local health departments to make those kind of decisions, that schools don't make those kind of decisions. You don't want that kind of liability. <laughs> you know, you want the health department to offer that kind of guidance. So, um, you know, I had a school leader ask if it was, you know, should we be thinking about testing our students before and our teachers before they come on campus. Um, your health department's going to let you know that. Yeah, and the answer is probably yes, right? I mean, some <laughs> some sort of way to to make sure uh, safety wise. So, hey, Katie, um, is there any more experts? We got about five more minutes left. The Rhonda Rhonda wants to share. I'm so going to say that um, I'm looking at that legislation right now about the Jump Start program. I don't see anything in it that. Um, <clears throat> has a date associated with it for a public school unit. What I'm reading says that a public school unit receiving funds shall consult with the 1920 school year teachers of kindergarten through fourth grade students to develop the plan. Um, it's pretty wide open. So use your flexibility. Mm. Yeah. And I feel there was something about like July 17th, like in my mind, like that's, that date somewhere around there and then some of our schools they start before that so what are they supposed to do they're in school in uh, july so we'll get more on jumpstart for sure um hey uh, tom oh hey greg hey how are you doing hey i think your advice is good there on you know these things like jumpstart you know what the department has said what we know is the general assembly's allocated 70 million to it that's roughly the same amount that was allocated in the prior summer school money. So you can have a good feel how much you're going to get for the jumpstart program. And, uh, you know, if you're going to do it, plan around that. You know, what the department said is, you know, it's three weeks in length, five days a week, uh, five hours a day. And for everything but fourth grade, it's reading. And for the fourth graders, it's reading and math. 
and more details will come. And I just think, you know, on a lot of these things, we just have to use good judgment and do what's right for students. And, you know, the good thing is it's going to change again over the next few weeks. Uh, CDC has their guidelines today, but those might change. Yep. So, and either way, thanks, Craig. And, you know, this, this past Tuesday, uh, Katie and I did a webinar uh, with the association on the characteristics of effective charter schools. And you know what was the number two characteristic of the most effective charter schools? Systems for prevention and intervention to ensure students learn. So this, that's what Jumpstart is. So just, you already have it in place. Now you just need to do it a little bit differently and it needs to be outside of the school year or whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. It, there's so many opportunities for you guys here. Uh, to be really, you know, working through this. And if you get really good at it, there's even bigger opportunities, uh, you know, down the road. And uh, so I, so it really, you know, it was interesting reading some of these articles, you know, some of the things that our team has been, you know, uh, talking about for years is how do you, how do you leverage the most impactful, best instructional leaders you have on a daily basis? So I've always said, gosh, if you have a great reading teacher, what if they just taught reading five times a day? <laughs> you know, like, why do we make, you know, teachers teach reading, math, science, and social studies when they're not very good at the rest of it, but they're great at reading, or they're great at writing, or they're great at math. Like, this is the opportunity for you to completely design to the edge and maybe revamp some of those uh, programs and to do something a little bit different and, and, and to be that level of innovation uh, that's going to give your students uh, the best impact and identify What's, what students are thriving in this remote environment? Because you know they're out there. Mm -hmm. What teachers are thriving in this? Because you know they're doing it. Because some of them are just, this is what they're built you know, to do. Maybe it's hitting their learning styles at a different level. So highly recommend that everybody coming in has some sort of prevention system about here's I know where kids are. Here's where they need to start. This is where their camp's going to be. This is how we're going to continue remote learning at practice and improvement throughout the year to give kids extra time and you can and uh, you can do it i believe in you so we're gonna end with this unless there's anything else in the chat katie and then we'll i think we've i think we've covered all the questions that were in the chat that i collected i mean joan roman did say you know she's a new school so she wouldn't have last year's summer camp numbers to go by so uh, she would love some guidance on you know how does she get an idea of what the jumpstart number should be Greg had mentioned you know you could kind of uh, you know you could kind of guess based on what you've gotten previously but if you're a new school you don't have that track record yeah. so that was a yeah, question but if you've got something like map or like you reach out to somebody like you know there's formative and summative assessment you know programs out there that you know why couldn't you just no she's talking about how much money she's going to get Oh, how much money she's going to get. Yeah, yeah. So that's where the mystery is. You know, something I wanted to um, ask, and, you know, if you guys want to put your answer in the chat, Tom and I would love to help you with uh, creating your return to school plan that's required from Bill 704. And there are 13 things that have to be in your return to school plan. What would be helpful for you? We would love to help give you a tool, give you some guidance, um, but we need to know what it is you need. What would be helpful? So if you want to put it in the chat, uh, you know, then we'll do our best to, to meet that need for you. Katie, I want to add something about that. The, mm -hmm. During the State Board of Education meeting today, they um, discussed the remote instruction plan. Mm -hmm. and uh, it was an action item, so um, they actually added two additional 
<laughs> requirements. And so those are 14 and 15, and they are uh, provisions. So what you would do with your ELL students and your AIG students. Okay. Okay, thank you for that addition. That's that's key information. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> oh, no, 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 we. Mm -hmm. Am I muted or unmuted? You're, you, we, we can hear you loud and clear, Mary. Okay, okay, so I'm also showing up. You all need to teach me how to put my name in there instead of it's from me. It's Mary. But anyway, <laughs> the uh, what I've been told about the uh, program, the uh, summer programs, it's ours is supposedly already in our allotment. You know, I know how much I've got to spend. Okay. It's very similar to the amount that was dropped last year. What they did, they took away the read to achieve. It's those children in K through three who are not on target in reading. And so the criteria is out there. You're going to just, just go to the NCDPI website. Mm, okay. What they're telling me the money's already there. I just have to start planning, seeing. Is it going to be done remotely or is it going to be done in the building and how many teachers you need and all those details. So check okay. with the finance people. Ask okay. if money's there. Okay. Yeah, that sounds, that's very helpful. Thank you, Mary. And you figured out how to put your name in there. I'll buy, you don't need us. <laughs> Thank you so much. So I wanted to end with this. Uh, last week we heard from uh, Jennifer Wagner about telling your charter story. So then hearing that, I just started to do some digging. Now, here you go. Listen to this, everybody. 77% of people read a blog per day. 77%. People spend more time listening to podcasts than they do talking to their best friends every day. So why don't you start a blog? Why don't you start a podcast and start telling the story about your school? And if you're having some you know, trouble with some pain points, go into any Facebook uh, parent group and start seeing all the complaints that they have, all the complaints that you know, teachers have and parents have about their school, or just get on some RSS you know, feeds and then write a blog about how your school solves that problem, right? Tell how your school has a culture that educates all students, right? It meets that uh, uh, Patrick Lencioni's three uh, levels of you know job engagement, whatever it was. Like we we crush the anti right job misery, and this is how we do it. Like this is your chance to get ahead of every other large organization and leverage yourselves and and to you know just utilize the curriculum of your life in your school and the history of your school to be able to tell a better story. And you can use. Um, you know, Facebook Live is, you know, free, but you can use a program like StreamYard and you could, you know, shoot it into, you know, different uh, social media platforms. You can use Buffer to, you know, schedule all your stuff for free. So if you just had like just three you know, posts per day and get your teachers involved, you know, one's just a social media uh, picture and the other one's a, a five minute Facebook Live about, you know, how you're serving students or how you're, you know, serving the community or whatever it may be. And just make sure that at the end of every one, there's a call to action, like join our Facebook group or apply to our school to be an employee or apply to enroll as a student. And every day you should be capturing more and more opportunities uh, to be able uh, to do that. Um, and then one more thing, teachers pay teachers. Do you guys know mm -hmm. how much money is generated through that every year? Tens of millions of dollars 
are running through Teachers Pay Teachers. You want to find more ways to generate revenue into your school? Have all your teachers create a Teachers Pay a Teachers account and use that to just use your resources to uh, generate more money and, and to generate more you know, folks wanting to work with you. And I know that seems weird because it's outside the box, but I'm not going to share about anything else. So outside the box is where you need to be, right? Designed to the edge. So mm -hmm. any other thoughts from everybody? We're good. We've got all these chat box pulled and taken together. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Mary Jo says, what box? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's a rumbus or something. I don't know. All right. So thank you, the insurance people, uh, Hadley, for being on today. Uh, thank you, Acadia. We had Amanda and I saw Cass was with us uh, today. Cass said he didn't have any updates, but we're not sure we'll have something next week. And uh, Edith Shoemate was on the call from Acadia as well. And Edith too. And I saw, um, and then we heard from Olivia Myers from Steve Joyner Consulting. So thank you for being great uh, partners and always Rhonda. Rhonda Dillingham from the association and Lisa Gordon-Stell who always, always gives us great things to think about from a risk management standpoint. Did I miss anybody, Katie? That's everybody. Just you, I guess. Thanks, thanks Katie, right now for always keeping <laughs> oh. the chat box in the forefront. So thanks everybody. See you next week and every Thursday. We will never cancel this meeting. So don't ask. You don't need to text me. You don't need to email. You don't need to say, hey, are you having the meeting? The answer will always be yes. Either Katie, Rhonda and I will make sure that the meeting goes. So thanks everybody. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Open up and say bye. Everybody bye. say bye. 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 There you go. Bye. And I will bye. get with Rosalind. Is her name Rosalind? Bye, guys.